This, this is Imperial, Imperial Voice. This is Imperial Voice, I'm William Heath. So, what's happening in our city today? I'll tell you what's happening. I'm in a converted toll booth on North Parade and I'm at the Blart Sack School with founder Mark Archer. Hello, William. Mark, hi. Tell us about the Blart Sack School. Blart Sack School was created 30 years ago and the whole idea of Blart Sack was so anyone can play the saxophone. Fantastic. You don't have to read music, you just have to have a love and a desire to want to play the saxophone. And then something about your sheer enthusiasm for the saxophone got you into the Guinness Book of Records? Yep, I, many years ago I shot my mouth off 2004, said I was going to do the biggest saxophone ensemble of all time. And then before I could blink it was happening. And then uh, the current record at that time was 321 players held by the Dutch. There were then four assaults all at the same time. We broke it with 529 players in front of 25,000 people in front of the Royal Crescent in Bath with a piece that I co-wrote with Stan Scott and Craig Crofton. Um, and then we did a piece after with the great Pee Wee Ellis, oh, wow. um, trying to improvise over 528 players while being conducted by Will Gregory of Golf Rap fame, and also to his first saxophone player, and, uh, and to, uh, and it looked a bit like King Canute really, you know, so once those 528 set off, four, there was a juggernaut. But it was a sound fantastic, sound beautiful. Every single one a saxophone. Every one a saxophone, a variety of shapes and sizes. So which instruments do you teach here? I teach, um, which is the more here, soprano, alto, tenor, and uh, baritone. And which, which, which styles do you cover? We cover every style. So, I mean, I come from very much a pop background, R&B. So we, so we do pop, R&B, um, a lot of um, soul saxophone, blues. Um, obviously, I've got jazz specialists as well. But also, the big thing that I'm, I love as well is I love my reggae and I love my ska as well. So we do that as well as funk. Well, that's good, because Imperial Voice as you know, celebrates the legacy to our city and to the people of Bath of His Imperial Majesty, Haile Selassie. And, and that's a huge musical legacy, isn't it? Absolutely. And probably a musical legacy that would have come as a complete surprise to him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the music that we're going to talk about today has, has derived from um, the Rastafarian religion. So you know that UNESCO recently put reggae on its representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity? Fantastic. Do you yeah. want to hear a bit of the citation? Go on then. Go on, let's. Okay. Having originated with... It's quite dry, I have to say, but, you know. Having originated within a cultural space that was home to marginalised groups, mainly in Western Kingston, the reggae music of Jamaica is an amalgam of numerous musical influences, including earlier Jamaican forms, as well as Caribbean, North American and Latin strains. In time, neo-African styles, soul and rhythm and blues from North America were incorporated into the element, gradually transforming ska into rocksteady and then into... Exactly, so it came from ska music. Yeah. So that's what we're going to look at today. That's what we look at to start. Yes. Some classic saxophone performances uh, uh, in this. So um, first up on our list, we're going to have a listen to Dean Fraser, the Kings from the Kings of Jamaican sax.
Dean, Dean Fraser, Full Moon. Well, so that's that's probably one of the most seminal tracks. So along with here, obviously hearing Bob's No Woman No Cry, uh, sort of 16 years old, and the bizarre voice, the fantastic UB40. Um, 27 years old at the Womad Festival in Bath in the early 90s. Um, split up with a long-term living partner. Going to the festival, gonna bump into the partner, didn't want to bump into the partner. Lashing rain in true August fashion. Um, bump into some great, great friends um, who said, let's retreat to the circus, have a cup of tea, a little smoke, warm up, wet, cold, damp. Walked into Marcus Harris's um, flat and he played that song. Life-changing moment. So life-changing moment. Because I'd never, ever heard unaccompanied, you know, solo saxophone tracked. So he played that song, The Full Moon, um, and it blew my mind. And Marcus was then kind enough to uh, put it on cassette for me and drop it through Medora North Parade with the B side, the other side being Roland Alfonso. So that was that was a, a before and after moment. Coincidentally, that day I met my future wife. So life goes left, life goes right. I met my future wife, and uh, you know my life was irrevocably changed. Happy day, massive so day Dean, in my life. Dean Fraser on two levels. Dean Fraser, he's he's the front man. It's his Dean track. It's yeah, no, no, well, Dean Fraser. Well, the thing is, you can reggae start out almost any song. Absolutely yeah. any song. Yeah. I think, um, and obviously he, he heard a bit of Blue Moon, you know, the Man City famous song now, um, and turned it into a reggae song, and that's the first, that was my first inaugural, wow, there's the saxophone on its own with uh, with that. And he's playing an alto sax there? He's playing alto sax there, but he plays them all, Dean. With a beautiful tone. Beautiful sound, yeah, nice, yeah. Nice, yeah. Nice, yeah. style. Gorgeous sound. With a vibrato. Absolutely. Is he, does he come from a reggae tradition, or does he come from a different musical tradition? No, I think he's very much from a reggae tradition. I think, I think uh, from my studies of him, he's very much looked at the founding fathers that we look at, the Tommy McCook, Roland Alfonso, okay. Cedric Brooks. Should we listen now to one of your compositions, which is uh, completely in this tradition? This is called, what is this called, this one, Mark? The Angel of Alpha. <laughs> So the most amazing thing about this whole story is there would be, there would be no reggae, no ska, uh, none of this music without an incredible lady called Sister Mary Ignatius Davis. Now Sister Mary Ignatius Davis ran a school called the Alpha School of Music in Jamaica for wayward and orphan kids to give them um, a structure, to give them the discipline in life. And um, she strikes me as being a very small little nun, a bit like the nun at the beginning of the Blues Brothers, you know, who took no nonsense, who broke no nonsense, as yeah. it says in the song, from anyone. Very tough lady. Yeah. Now, the people who went to the Alpha School of Music were 
the same musicians who then created the scatterlights, the music that changed the music of, of Jamaica. So without this lady setting up this music school, there would be no, as I say later in the time, there'd be no Bob Marley, there'd be no Jimmy Cliff, there'd be no UB40, because she was very much the person who, who gave the musical structure to these musicians who then went on to do what they did. So she played herself? She played a little bit herself. There's a fantastic photo of her stood there with a tenor sax. Very nice, good, and, uh, and just um, was into all this music herself? And she obviously, I, I don't know how much she was actually into it. I think, she, I think I get the feeling it was more about looking after the welfare of the boys that were in yeah. front of her at that time. Do, do um, any recordings survive, do you think? I have playing? no idea, that's something I want to investigate. And also I've got this fabulous idea of making her into a saint. She's now passed away quite a few years ago now, age 90 plus. Um, and like I say, she, there, there should be some sort of benediction of this lady. She's an amazing lady in what she did. And also, like I say, without her, there would be no Jamaican music on the So she's today, a, Catholic, so. a Catholic nun mm, yeah. from one of the orders? Yeah. Okay, so Catholic, and you want to campaign yeah. to get her beatified? Yes. I think that's the first step. That's a, beautiful, that's a beautifully put word, yes. That is the correct yes, word. It is the <laughs> You have a period of, sort of beatification. That's it, I think she's... You, yeah. you can, as well as uh, a formal process of beatification in the Vatican, I think you can be beatified by acclamation. Okay, well, then. Well, that would be the move <laughs> yes. Sister Mary Ignatius. Well, and therefore there's the song, so let's yeah. get the song recorded and let's get it heard and let's get it known that this lady, if nothing else, existed and what a legacy to have left it. It's a history that, that deserves to be really widely understood, doesn't it? It, so, so it does deserve wide, wide, wide. Yes, An Ethiopian Orthodox emperor comes to live in our city of Bath. Meanwhile, a Catholic nun teaches music in a rough school in Trenchtown. A school she created. And, and somehow those two processes yeah. result in an incredible musical tradition. Absolutely really fantastic. Yeah, when you think of it like that, that's absolutely fantastic. Shall we hear some scatterlights? Yeah, and she and yeah. she then, um, so a number of the musicians, as I've already, already heard in the song, Tommy McCooks, Don Drummond, who played trombone, um, Lester Scar Sterling was in the scatterlights. A lot of the musicians who ended up in the scatterlights, the music that changed the face of music, because Scar is the root of all of this, as we've said earlier. And her favourite song was a Don Drummond composition, which is this one called Eastern Standard Time. Standard time by the Scatterlights. Who were the sax players then? In so the sax players in it was were Tommy McCook, Roland Alfonso, Lester Scar Sterling, um, and Carl uh, Cannonball Bryan on saxes. Um, and that was composed, like I say, by Don Drummond, who was the who was the uh, trombone player in the band. So they had a brass section of tenors and altos. Uh, altos, tenors, yeah, and a bit of trombone thrown in. Trombone and trumpet as well. Johnny Moore, Dizzy Johnny Moore, who I mentioned in the Angel of Alpha song, was 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 in it as well. And Baba Brooks. Yeah. So we're talking a proper big band. Proper big band, and then of course they had Jackie Mattoo on keyboards, who was who was infamous in his own right. He did some fantastic albums. Jackie Mattoo, check him out. Fantastic. Do we unpack infamous a little bit? 
Well, Jackie, I'm not on a family show. Uh, <laughs> if it was in terms of the way he played that keyboard. Okay, so good. keyboard, yes. So okay. I know no more than that. So. Okay, right, right. So busy roadies with a busy... Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of great musicians, yeah, yeah. So the Scatolites uh, were, were kind of uh, the source, the route for a whole range of musicians who then became... Who became, yeah, well, they were working with the infamous uh, Cox, and, um, Cox and Dodd, who asked the band to shift the Rick McAdson, so it all came from him, according to Tommy McCook. They're in the studio in 1961 on an historic day in Studio One, the famous Studio One, um, and he just asked the band to shift the rhythmic accent. Scar was suddenly and gloriously born. Okay, so there's a change in drum rhythm. Yeah, it's consciously done. He actually asked someone to change the, the, the effect of the blues concept. So basically, they produced the upbeat, the cha, 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 and that's where the Scar came from. Okay, should we listen to another Scatterlife track? Yeah, let's listen okay. to, let's, let's listen to um, the, the version. Now, in, in, in the um, 50s and early 60s, Ian Fleming lived on the island, to Jamaica, famously on a beautiful place for Golden Either. I've got a vision of it in my mind. He wrote the Bond tunes. The Jamaicans obviously then felt a kinship to the Bond idea. The first one, Doctor No, was uh, was filmed there in 1961, 12, uh, and uh, Ursula Andress, of course, famously walked out of the sea. And then my lovely dad, belated dad, had his first heart attack. To I think after just seeing her in that film, but understand? Probably not for the first time. Yeah. And yes, yeah, he, he survived. I hope. Yes, he did survive. Yes, uh, smiling. Uh, okay, thinking of your dad, then your late dad. Let's uh, listen to the James Bond original. By original the rats. Love, love you, rats. <laughs> Do you think sax and drums and organ particularly come through well in that kind of? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if ever there was a, I've spent my whole life as a musician looking for different styles where the saxophone fits, and I can't think of a more glorious style where the saxophone sounds superb. And is reggae a good idiom to to teach students? Absolutely. It's a yeah. well, the beautiful why, thing why about that? teaching. Well, a number of things. Firstly, it it adheres to my ethos of music which is KISS, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. So most of the themes that we're going to listen to shortly by people like Tommy McCook, whom I adore, they're wonderfully simple. You hear them once, straighten the head, whistle it, hum it, it's straight in there, no messing about. But they also want to be jazzers, so when they do little jazzy solos, they go off on, but the themes are simple. So when I'm teaching, that's one of the things I teach. So I teach people how to improvise and create, and I've written my own um, saxophone um, uh, reggae songs and backing tracks. And so we do a lot of recording and creating, so you can hear 
the effect of different themes and hooks within that. But do you think those musicians in the satellites would they would they read music? Would they have read music? I would have thought if they went to the Alpha School of Music, it would have they would have been taught to read music. And they would do arrangements. They'd be working for arranged. Parts. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I don't know who the arranger was. I don't know if it was this 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 Coxon doll yeah. who seemed to be the yeah. overlord of all of it. Yeah. Uh, Studio One. I don't I don't know. But I got a feeling that they were fairly well drilled in the musical. Theory. So touch of the sort of James Brown level of discipline and... Uh, I hope nowhere near the level of James Brown discipline because that recording was rough as you like. James Brown would have let you Exactly. Uh, James Brown was so anal. He would have docked everything. He would have had his fingers floating for 10 No, I get the feeling with the Scatterlights, it was raw, it was live, there was an energy there, there was a uh, there was a combustion because you were talking about a lot of great musicians yeah. um, in, the, in the short term because they were only together for a couple of years before it imploded. Okay, so so they, they popularised that brass sound in reggae. Then it imploded, and, and, then, and then it imploded, it imploded um, sadly because Don Drummond um, um, uh, um, killed his girlfriend and then got put away and it all just kind of imploded. I think Tommy McCook and Roland Alfonso fell out and then there was Rocksteady in the 67 because of the hot summer and then the music changed the feel as well. But they all went on to great, great, great um, success in the round Well, should we listen to, to a Tommy McCook track then? Absolutely. Okay, let's, One of their favorites. let's fire it up. Let's fire up fire. Okay, so that's Fire by Tony McCook. And what's lovely about that song, William, is, is there's an A section and a B section, so there's just two parts to it, and they loop around with a little keyboard solo, and that goes on for eight minutes, and it goes into dub and all sorts of things. Just a beautiful, simple, hooky theme. We've played it at blowout gigs. I've taught it to countless, countless students over the years. In a way, it's so simple, but it's so effective, isn't it? So effective. I never, so never underestimate the technique involved in so, things because it's always quicker than you think when you yeah. come to play it on an instrument. And, so. and, and the timing isn't obvious, is it? The sort of syncopation. That's it. And also just the simplicity of the hook line. So I mean, what, you know, yeah. the, the hook line is just so beautifully yeah. simple, gorgeous. So what sort of frame of mind do you think you need to be in to be in the zone producing that, that deceptively simple, uh, really powerful? Absolutely, yeah. No, I think I think again you have to adhere to my keep it simple. I think um, I think you know I think he would probably do the old grey whistle test of recording it, listening to it, and seeing if it sticks. Right. And then getting into that mindset with a bit help of the good herbs and this, that, and the other, the and just herbs. literally just getting because you get into that that when you're doing your reggae songs or when I'm yeah. writing reggae songs, which I've started doing literally in the last couple of years. Um, you do get in that mindset and into that groove and into that pattern and, and the more you play the more the ideas yeah. flow through the fingers. So I worked once with a, a producer called Tony Waddington, mm -hmm. the guy who did the Rubettes, okay. a very funny guy. He was shipped out to Jamaica to, to work with some reggae artists. 
and the session was just going really, really badly. He was working as hard as he could and deploying all his tricks and just nothing was happening until he, he saw lying on the keyboard player's uh, keys a split. He said it was the size of a baby's arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was ignited and, and then the session went curiously well. The session ignited, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's sort of an incidental pleasure or whether it's really intimately connected with the friend I of think, mine. I think, I think, I think, you know, they, they call it the, you know, they call it the, uh, the wisdom weed, don't they? Mm. As part of the religion. Mm. Um, now, to become, when, when one is being creative, and I've written songs and music for 30 years, I can do it straight and I can do it slightly looser. You don't need either. You, mm. know, you don't need that mental or need to. Mm. But I think sometimes, and some types of music, mm. you do. You just need that little release, that little, you know, because, because it is beautifully, especially reggae, the slower and more laid back and more, the more you climb into the, the, the feel of the music, the, the, the more you're going to be expressive within it, for me. But it's a sacred herb. Mm. We live in a country where it's kind of banned and illegal and stuff. So there's a certain tension there, I guess, for creative musicians who... who, who uh, and there's a religious dimension, I guess, mm. to reggae music, mm. but also yeah, a sacred herb dimension, but, but that it makes it an outlawed sort of activity, in a way. Yeah, well, one, one, wonderfully, the good news now, wonderfully, William, a lot less so, you know, with each passing year. So, for example, yeah. you know, my son came in with a hilarious song yesterday, um, which he played me, and then my wife just said, well, I remember you wrote that song, I know nothing, really, really nothing, I like to smoke in the afternoons and all that, I know nothing, <laughs> you know, one of my scar songs. Okay. A funny Mickey Pistake song, yeah. but a funny song nonetheless. Yeah. And I never brought that out. Yes. And in fact, I didn't perform until two years ago when you saw it right at the end of that gig. We had right. to his brains out at the end of it, if you remember. Um, you just been elected. Um, because of that. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I didn't really yeah. want that sort yeah. of, that, that over my head, if you like. If well, you know. well, we hope, I guess, that the broad climate is changing. All the time. All the time. Canada, America, America, yeah, yeah, exactly. so anyway, let's, let's, let's hope. Yeah, I mean, move on, guys. More, but yes. More, it, to, more Tommy McCook, Tommy I think it's called for. Right, so this one. Now, who on earth is the glorious lion? So the Tell glorious lion is I, I, well, no, I believe the glorious lion is the glorious lion. The glorious lion from the from the um the, the symbol of Rastafarianism. I think the glorious lion is a former resident of Bath. There you go. <laughs> That's who it is. Two, three, four. as a song or as a musician yeah, there's three distinctive themes there they're all repeated which I love they have the confidence to repeat it which I love there's, a, there's a, a directness of sound as well lovely little keyboard solo and then they loop that round again and, and do those themes again and it's, it's wonderful it's a really trumpet and a tenor sax yeah 
and, and they're in harmony. Absolutely. But they switch, don't they? So they take, yeah. yeah. It's just a simple trick, isn't it? Simple trick, but I mean, it's beautifully played, beautifully yeah. composed, and beautifully simple. It's really disciplined. Super disciplined. The production values now are much, much higher than in the earliest mm. uh, tracks we Absolutely. And it, it, it's really worth it because you can hear that detail. Mm. And, and beautifully composed, and he does a little solo at the end. But it's just a beautifully composed song. Mm. It's one that, again, I teach. I worked out, I think it's 48 Tommy McCook songs. Right. And I could probably do another 48 yeah. since I've got Spotify and thought, no, I don't want to do anymore. I've got to stop. Yeah. yeah. You, you introduced me to that track, and we played it at the um, Kelston Village Fete right. as a fundraiser for Fairfield House. And it was just a glorious sunny day, and we're standing on hay bales <laughs> playing out glorious lines. Oh, fantastic. It's, 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 oh, it's a beautiful know. track to play, but it, it's impossible to play it as well as he plays it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I could play as well as you could play, but yeah, but that's, that, that's 30 years of playing Tommy McCook. Fair enough. enough, you know what I mean? Fair enough. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, you know, it's it's very tricky. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't get deceived with the simplicity, yeah. you know, that it's easy. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And the final track we're going to look at is probably the most fantastic and hummable and brilliant of all of his songs, which is a track called Riding West. And Riding West is straightforward, and the, the, the genius of this one is you hear the line the first time, you can sing it the second. You can hear the line the first time, you can sing it the second. It's a three-parter again. And then with time, he breaks it down and he, and he shows that he really could play with some chops as well. He can, he really, with this particular one, it's almost worth a bit longer because he really opens up in the, in the, minute, in the middle and solos and rips, the, rips it apart and then comes back in with the theme again at the end. So it's a very good composition that's very clever. Thank you. 
beautiful bit of playing. Well, you can hear from uh, uh, the little trills and turns he does that he's got masses of technique. Yeah, and he's the holding it. The confidence is played really simply for maximum. Yeah, I've, I've um, on the same day, I've just finished a book on Ray Charles and, and a lot of Ray Charles sax players, there were two, there was a guy called David Fathead Newman yeah. and Hank Crawford, and they both said, Ray taught me how to play, so keep it simple, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing is keeping mm -hmm. it simple. You've got great technique, but all musicians want to show off their great technique. Showing off great technique is keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. It's not actually going, look, I can be really elaborate with this, but actually I can play something that's, mm -hmm. that, that's a stupid expression, but it fits the music. So they taught really well. Mm, they're really they're well. technically a very good instrumentalist, yeah. but they've got the restraint yeah. to do something really effective, which really appealed to an audience. Absolutely. I mean, here we are, what, how many years later, 40, 50 years later, yeah. and we're really focusing on these tracks, in yeah. a, you know, thousands of miles away. Mm. This is the music we love. Absolutely. And, and Tommy was, 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 was I mean, yeah, of all the, all, all the you know, Jamaican sax players, he's obviously my number one, like I said, worked out nearly you 50 of his tracks. Principally, for, yeah, I think so, because he did all the styles as well. He did Rocksteady, he did Scar, he did Dub, he did, you know, he, he literally covered every genre, he did Merengue, he did them all. Um, and also, like I said, I've heard another 50, I think, that I'd like to do, but you know, there's only so much life and there's only so many, there's only things I'd like to do with my life. So, so yeah. and there's enough to give a broad spread of Tommy. But one more, Julian, one more. Um, everyday, everyday sax. Oh, everyday sax. We have to do that. But the thing is, is that that's my life, isn't it? It is. And your life as well. The Blackout Sex School. Exactly. I just say, exactly. so this is in our city on Imperial Voice Radio. Exactly. We're streaming to you from Fairfield House, yep. former home of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie today. And, and from the only saxophone school, as far as I'm aware, in Europe or in the world, where a public, where anyone could come on, try and play the sax. I am with Mark Archer. Come and play the sax at the Blackout Sax School. You can play everyday sax. <laughs> Lovely call and response as well. That lovely, lovely. It just speaks to you. Love it. Shall I read the second half of the UNESCO statement on reggae? Got it. I like it because it's just so dry. It's such a, such a contrast to just listening to Tommy McCoy. There you go, for real. While in its embryonic state, reggae music was the voice of the marginalised, the music is now played and embraced by a wide cross section of society, including various genders, ethnic and religious groups. Its contribution to international discourse on issues of injustice 
resistance, love and humanity underscores the dynamics of the element as being at once cerebral, socio-political, sensual and spiritual. Lovely. The basic social functions of the music as a vehicle for social commentary, a cathartic practice and a means of praising God have not changed and the music continues to act as a voice for all. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah, it is beautifully You put. sort of feel the brains people have understood what the spirit people have Absolutely. Done, which is nice. Absolutely. It's a nice connection. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that nicely leads us on to the next chap we're going to do, who's called The Chief, who's a chap called Roland Alfonso. And Roland Alfonso set up the Scatterlight. He was one of the founding members with Tommy, Don Drummond, of the Scatterlight. Uh, he was known as The Chief, The Gentle Prophet, Small man, big personality, beautiful sound, and nearly all the all the studies I did of Roland, because he was on the other side of the cassette that Marcus Harris um, very kindly. Um, this is the mixtape. The mixtape the mix changed, changed my life. Yeah, yeah. along with the, the beautiful, beautiful lady that changed my life. Same day, big day that was in my life. Really, I can tell you. Um, and um, Roland is a bit more technical, a bit more jazzy. Um, so nearly all the, the studies I've done of him, I've done half a dozen Roland, Roland Alfonso songs alive. Because it really fills the capture of him live. Now, there is also a, a style, a Jamaican style called um, called Lover's Rock, and this is what this is. Yeah, Lover's this Rock. Is. Lover's Rock. So this is a different feel, going back to exactly that quote we just said about being about love. students on stage improvising and playing and playing along with those things of all ages because they're accessible to everyone aren't they absolutely yeah so when they talk about the glorious lion or unesco talks about praising god they're talking about this african emperor who came to live in our city and and lived here for six years that's that's the god we're talking about and then through this music that's risen up in the wake of following and worshiping him it's come back and it's very accessible to all of us here absolutely in Boston, in Boston. and still 
hugely popular to this to, to this very day. So which instrument is Rolando Alfonso playing on? He's a tenor sax. I think he's just playing the bottom harmony line on that. There's a, there's, a, there's mainly um, a trumpet, trumpet yeah. over the okay. top. Yeah, yeah. So it's like his composition, his band. As far as I'm aware, yeah. yeah. Okay. As far as I'm aware. Should we check out another Rolando? Check out another one. Yeah, this is just a, another one by by Roland. Roland also um, gigged with Bob Marley, uh, with Jimmy Cliff. Um, with Lee Scratch Perry, so he, he was out there playing also with you know as as a leader himself playing with many of the leaders of these types of music. So here we go, rock and this sock. The rock and sock. It's just a funny little ditty, but I just like it. It's beautiful, I think. sax on his own and I love solo sax is another part of the um the, the sax that I study a lot as I know because I've got you on stage playing um Zim many Do years ago. Acapella you? sax. Yeah Acapulco sax yeah, yeah Acapulco. <laughs> indeed yes well, so uh, so we love a bit of that but uh, no he's a great I mean he's a great player he was a, he was a great leader yeah Roland Alfonso um and again hooking every song that I picked for my study of the Kings of Jamaican sax as, as if you like, had to pass the Mark Archer okay. scrutiny ear test and it has yeah. to have a validity to why I'm going to sit there and teach you and work it out. And you've done a book on that? The Kings of I've done the Kings of Jamaican Sax. I've done, um, I've, I've studied these four guys, okay. plus a few unsung heroes like Deadly Headley and people okay. like that as well. So the four guys you've studied are? Tommy McCook, yep. Roland Alfonso, yep. chap we're going to talk about next, Cedric Ian Brooks, yep. and Dean Fraser. Should we do some Cedric Ian Brooks? Let's do some Cedric Ian Brooks. Brooks. Then you can tell us why you like it. Yeah, I love Thank you. 
you get that beautiful breathy sound? It's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a meditative, freezing, yeah. lazy, warm, almost Ben Webster-esque, gorgeous, laid-back sound. It's just beautiful. It's, it's a it's completely different tone from the sort of honking sound. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, he's breathing into it. He's not blowing into so it. He breathes into the... He's breathing into it. He's blowing... With he's a hard reed? He's blowing a soft... Sound. No, no, with a big, with a big gorgeous, um, fat, thick reed. Okay. Big, big, thick reed. Yeah. Heck of a lot of discipline to play. Yeah. Okay, so you've got that on? Yeah. Is that a sort of standard? Yeah, it's more yeah. of a get school of thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a beautiful yeah. sound. There's a lot of control. Yeah, and it a reflects a very control. kind of relaxed personality. Absolutely, back, absolutely. Soothing. It's not aggressive at all, but it's beautiful. Really and and yeah. Satter's one of those famous West Indian songs that everyone seemed to cover. He also um, covered it under um, a track called The United Africa, which was lovely with a big brass. Okay. But this came from an album he did in the, the 70s on his finest album called I Am Flash. Forward. Okay. And I saw him play right at the end of his career. Ironically, he got asked to play for the Scatterlights towards oh, wow. the end of his life, and I okay. saw him do a, um, an initially a shambolic gig at um, Comedia where they turned up, shot the train, hadn't done a sound check, and then once they hit their stride, they were great, and he played with them. But he was much more, obviously, much more hard hitting on the Scatterlights stuff. But this 70s stuff where he did this uh, and picture and, uh, on the wall and all these different songs. It's absolutely beautiful. I love his tone, and you know, and, uh, I'm warmed up. I'm warmed up. I'm a lot better than that. Is it's Mark Archer on his tenor saxophone. Exactly, getting it right this time. More Cedric Ironbrook's <laughs> Idleberg. Idleberg's lovely, as yeah. Skylarking as it's the song became. Okay.
Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful sound, very different from yeah. the other two sounds. Again, he was an Alfarian, he came from the Alpha School of Music. And uh, may I also say thanks to also a chap called Phil Goldsmith. So one of the most amazing things of teaching, that I've thoroughly enjoyed over 30 years of teaching here at Blyatt Saxon Bell, is students come with a wide variety of interests. And a chap called Phil Goldsmith came to me for many years and wanted to investigate these players. So between us, we investigated Tommy. He brought me the Cedric Iam Brooks, so I thank him for that forever. Um, and some of the Roland Alfonso as well that we found. So we did some of this study together, which is great. So students are kind of taking you in areas that you kind of want to go in anyway. Yeah, and this was all pre-internet, so this is all where you had to actually go out and buy albums and read and, you know, it wasn't at the click of fingertips, of course, in those days. So the Cedric Brooks playing, it's, it's, sort of, it's very hypnotic, isn't it? Absolutely. The backing track is absolutely on yep. the same key all the way through. He's yep. basically playing the same scale yep. all the way through. Really tricky scales. Yeah. But maybe that's the recording from my lovely vinyl album. Yeah, but I mean, he's staying within a very disciplined absolutely. format. Absolutely. And just exploring and meandering, and the texture of it is so intriguing. It really is, and also, you know, he's staying within within all the, 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 if you like, the safest notes. Yeah. And occasionally, as you heard with Tommy on Riding West, they, they, they do meander out of the scale, you know, throw in a little bit of jazz to see if it works. Mm. But ultimately, mm. you know, it's, 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 I was keep using the same word, it's almost like very disciplined, mm. um, immaculate playing. But they're like. in their element in reggae, they're not sort of frustrated dra jazzers. No, they are yeah. frustrated jazzers. They are well, okay. yeah, so they were, well, when yeah. I played it to Stan Scott, my uh, erstwhile teacher, Dr. Jeff Rockman, um, I played him many years ago and, um, and he said to me that he felt like a lot of them were frustrated jazzers. So yeah. when they come to solo, which we yeah. haven't listened to today, yeah. you can hear that they want to kind of jam the jazz, some of the mm. jazz in. Mm. Um, but most of the tracks that I like are disciplined tracks, are beautifully created tracks, are structured tracks, where you know A plus B equals C and it all makes sense. Yeah, okay. So this is In Our City on Imperial Voice Radio. We're streaming to you from uh, Fairfield House, the former home of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie. And I'm William Heath here today with Mark Archer at the Blout Sachs School in Bath. So, Mark, we listened to a bit of uh, Dean Fraser up at the top of the show. Should we go a bit more into some Let's of go a bit of Dean. Yeah. And, and the obvious place to, um, to, 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 to mention him is when, um, when, um, when Bob Marley died, um, Dean, 1981, walked on stage at the, the Jamaican Sunsplash Festival and played an unaccompanied version, which this sadly isn't it, of Redemption Song, which captured the heart of the Jamaican people who were obviously hurt and in deep pain at the loss of, of, um, of Bob Marley. Um, so this so, isn't the live version that but from the 81, but it's got a sense of that version of Redemption Song. So let's play Redemption Song and do a call out to Imperial Voice listeners if any of you have a recording of Please. Dean Fraser playing it unaccompanied at Sunsplash? Yes, Sunsplash 1981. Yeah. Then we'd love to hear it. But here is Redemption yes. Song.
Hey, so that's the redemption song. Fantastic version. Um, Big Bad Dean Fraser is the chap, he's the number one. So Dean Blackhorn Man Fraser, Aka Big Bad Dean Fraser is the man who's carrying the mantle of sax players. Today in the instrumental world, his technique is fantastic. Um, he's, he, 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 can, he, now he can really play some jazz. He did an uncle Big Up, which is fantastic. The technique on it is fantastic, doing versions of Dick Tracy and all sorts. He really is technically a very, very, very fine and eclectic saxophone player. So he's playing alto? He plays a lot. With quite a piercing sort of tone? Alto tenor, um, he can play or he can play soft, he can play beautifully. Yeah. One of the tracks we'll look at um, um, in a minute is we'll look at um, It's Me Again, Jar, and it's one of the most beautiful tracks. So at the end of Big Up, which is where he does a, a, a different um, set of um, amazing, amazing recording in New York, amazing album. Um, right at the end of it, he does a, a track called It's Me Again, Jar, which was, uh, I believe, a, a Lee Scratch Perry song. Okay. And it's just beautiful. His tone on it is, is, is up there with all the, you know, some of the greatest tenor sax players I've ever heard. Right. And it's lovely because you do feel, I don't know the song, but you feel like he really is talking. Sounds like you better hear it. So I listen to it. Sax tracks that would be my top 20. 
Beautiful Tony's baked tenor there. Baked tenor there, yeah. Complete, so soulful, isn't it? So rich, so spiritual. He's singing the words, yeah. as all great sax players should do, sing the words. So listen, we've lo looked at four of the great Jamaican kings. Exactly. Yes, and, looked, yeah. and, the, and the final track to listen to, to conclude today, would be the helicopter rhythm. And this is where he's playing, if you like, homage to, if you like, all of the guys we've heard. It's just a hooky, rhythmic, repetitious, brilliant, played on soprano, brilliant, hooky um, Jamaican reggae song. Helicopter rhythm. Fantastic tune, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And his great technician, his technical skills. He's a fantastic, technically brilliant saxophone player. Do you get the helicopter? I don't understand any of the titles of any of these. I mean, we were talking earlier about you know fire. I've seen it as green mango. I've seen it as all sorts of different titles. I don't, Fair don't know, sir. Good. Got the rhythm bit in there. That's the rhythm is the main thing. Rhythm is the beautiful. Listen, it was great. Mark, that hour has flown by. It's Thank you lovely. so much. It's been really good. Yeah. And um, so that was in our city, broadcast today from Fairfield House in Bath, coming to you today from the Blair Sax School with Guinness World Record holding sax enthusiast Mark Archer. We've uh, listened to the big kings of Jamaican sax. That's been Tommy McCook, Rolando Alfonso, Cedric Ian Brooks, and Dean Fraser. Really glad for your feedback. Be a joy, be a joy. Loved it. Thank Loved you. Second ever. It's been fantastic. Well, join us again for In Our City and keep tuned to Imperial Voice. This, this is Imperial, Imperial Voice. Voice.